<laughs> Good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I, I, uh, I, we, I understand uh, Brett Ralph told me we were doing the book of Philippians, trying to go through, and I'm saying he gave me a passage to uh, preach on, and uh, I'm saying, gee, I hope it's the right one, and I hope you got them all, and I said, it must be neat, kind of neat getting a different uh, style of message for everyone, so it's... Uh, neat. And then I said, oh, gee, I wonder what version of the Bible they, they read there, because I usually read the ESV. I don't know. I didn't know what you guys read, so, but uh, all of my notes I've taken in the ESV. And then I came here and I see in the pulpit uh, is the New American Standard Version, which is a wonderful version also, too. But the beautiful part is I've got my iPad here, and I can just switch versions immediately. So, it's a <laughs> so I'm going to read the, uh, I'm gonna read the passage we're going to be looking at today, which is uh, in Philippians chapter 2. And uh, the passage I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on today is the verses 12 to 18 in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there and I'll read the, I'll read the passage. <clears throat> you, years ago when I used to do this, you, you'd wait until you hear the pages stop flipping before you start reading, but now everybody's you know, got their, either on their phone or on their iPad. So you, I, don't, I don't know what to wait, wait for now, but I'm, I gave you a little time to find the passage, so there you go. Okay, uh, I'm going to begin in verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, Children of God, a brother approach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way, and share your joy with me. What a great passage, huh? That's uh, some of the passages you get to, uh, you get to speak on, and you, and you wonder, well, what am I going to say here? This, this passage is, what am I not going to say? Uh, we, uh, each, every one of these phrases, you could spend a whole morning on just one, each one of them here. What a, what a wonderful passage of Scripture, and a, what a blessing it is here. Uh, but but in, in order to take a look at this one here, you know, this starts off with a therefore or a wherefore or a statement, so it's basically, whenever you see the therefore in the Scripture, you, 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 you look backwards and see what it's there for, right? That's the, that's the, that's the saying we use, is, is when it's there when it's there and you put it therefore there, you look backwards to see what it's there for. So I want to just take a back up, back up a little bit, back, back down the driveway before we can drive down the road uh, and take a look at the, 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 the passages before. It's beginning a, t a, t a teaching or instruction that, that Paul is giving to the Philippian church and it starts in verse one, uh, uh, 27 of chapter 1. And he says in verse 27 of chapter 1, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that when I come, 
and see you, or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side in the faith, for the faith in the gospel. So here's what he's, what he's calling them to do, and this is where the whole thing starts, is he's calling to live a life worthy of the gospel and to live in unity. And then there's a whole, uh, a whole instruction he gives after that. I'm just going to read the next verses, which, uh, forgive me if I, I roll over the ground you went over last week, but, but I, I, want to, uh, I want to just set up what we're doing here. So, and, for, and, I'll, and I'll begin in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, I'm sorry if I'm reading it from the ESV, any, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind in, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on, on the cross. Wow, what a great passage that is, too. And that's where the teaching is, and where we're looking at today is the application of that teaching. What does it look like when it comes out? If you, if you take that to heart, what, what he's saying here, what does it look like? And, it's, and, and he starts off with, with teaching, remember, in verse uh, 27 of, of chapter 1, unity in the body of Christ, living life worthy of the gospel. What does that look like? And he, and he, and he starts giving us instruction on that in verses 1 through 8 of chapter 2. And in verses 12 through 18, where we're looking at here, he gives us the outcome of that. What is it going to look like in your life? Uh, so if we, if we take a look at just those, those, those first... Verses, and I just want to roll over the ground on that a little bit and just, just take a look. He, di he digs right in here and he, and he tells them to have this, they should have the same mind, the same love. Well, first of all, he, he talks about if you have that unity with Christ. If we're in, 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 in uh, it says if you have any of this from Christ, any, and what, a, what a great passage here. Uh, if there's any encouragement, if there's any consolation, if there's any co uh, love, if there's any fellowship uh, of the Spirit, any af af affection and compassion, if, it, if you've had any of that kind of unity with Christ, and he says, make my joy complete by being together, by being one single-minded, and he gets, digs right into it here, having the same mind, having the same love, being a full accord, which is a neat word there that he it, it, uh, it's, it's like sims-suxos, or, or, or a, a synonymous psyche, he says you should basically have. The same mind, having the same mind. We're going in the same direction. Uh, we're seeking the same things. We should, as a church, all be going the same way. We should all be working together to, to achieve the same purpose. That, 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 that is what he's calling us to do here. Then he tells them, tells us what we need to do to achieve that goal, and it's one of the hardest things even as we as Christians have to do, and that's putting other people ahead of ourselves. I have a hard time with that. We have to forget about our own personal needs and put others ahead of ourselves. We must be humble and consider others and their needs ahead of our needs. 
This strikes at our pride, which tends to, our pride tends to elevate ourselves above others, our, their, our wants above, above, above their wants, and our desires ahead of others. Even our brothers and sisters in Christ, if, if we, have, we have problems with that sometimes. Pride is something that compares ourselves to others, and pride naturally puts ourselves ahead of the other person. I'll just read a little quote here from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Great book if you've never read it. It's a great book to read, great book to share with non-Christians too. Uh, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only having, having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer, cleverer, or better looking than another person. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. He also says in there, if when we, to, when we to think about a person that's humble, uh, you ever get this, you know, you, you've got your pride and then you become humble and then you start being proud of your own humility? I have that happen to me too. Oh, gee, I was so humble at that point in time. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, but C.S. Lewis said it this way, don't imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most pe people call a humble nowadays. He will not be sort of a greasy, smarmy person who's always telling you that, of course, he's nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed cheerful, intelligent guy who really took an interest in what you said to him. He was more interested in you than he was in himself. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Paul calls, calls us at that point, we have to put other people first. We have to look towards their needs instead of ourselves. The Greek word skopos here is like a scope, like a sentry. You should be looking out for what other people need. Instead of just stumbling upon it, you should be actively seeking their, what they need. And then he gives us, in, in that passage, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still in the, in the first uh, eight verses of, of chapter 2, but before I got to the therefore, I just want to know what the instruction is. But he gives us the great example of Jesus Christ in there. If anyone had the, the right and the power to demand the respect and the honor who had been Jesus, but he emptied himself. He became a man became obedient to death, even the most humiliating death, the death on the cross for us. He put our needs ahead of his. What an example. And then, in, in verse 5, he says, which is kind of a neat one, if you look at it, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Jesus. That's what he calls us to have, that same kind of attitude that Jesus had. The ESV has a really neat version of it. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ. If you've got Jesus, you've got this. It's yours. It belongs to you now. You can do it. Not because it's on your, your own, but because you've got him. You can be like this. Okay, so now that, that laid the groundwork. What's the application of it? And that's where we get into uh, verses 12 through... Uh, 12 through 18. Now we get to the therefore. Paul's given us in the instruction, how does it look when it comes out in our lives? 
The application here comes in three sentences, uh, verses 12 through 13, verses 14 through 16, and 17 through 18. Together, these three sentences form a single appeal that the people of God live like the people of God. That the church comes together for the sake of the gospel and with joy. The whole, you know, the whole book is about joy. Right? You know the, the underwriting theme of the whole book of Philippians is joy. Being written by a guy in prison. Writing about joy. Just, just putting that out there. The church comes together for the sake of the gospel with joy and becomes an example to the world of the effect of the gospel, both eschatologically tomorrow and today in the present world. And in this world, the way it is, you guys know you're living in it, you see what's happening. As the world gets darker, the light sticks out more and more. And we are that light. Are you shining that light? That's what it comes down to. Okay, so let's get to the first application in verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The first one is a call to obedience. The obedience that he's calling them to is to a continuation of their obedience. It's not, the neat, book, neat part about Philippians is he's not really criticizing them. There's not a whole lot of bad things he's saying about them or, 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 or correcting them. He's encouraging them. You've always been obedient in the past. Keep it up. Keep up that obedience. Keep on going, church. Keep doing it. Are you, are you living like Christians? Are you shining that light in the world? Are you exercising your faith? Are you strengthening your, your faith muscles by living in that obedience? I don't know if any of you knew J. Vernon McGee. He's still on the radio. The man's been, man's been gone for 20-something years. But he had that Through the Bible program. It's still on 500 stations nationwide here. And it's translated into over 100 languages around the world where he just went through the Bible. But uh, he said at one point, he's talking about the exercise of your faith, he said the only exercise that some Christians get is running down others and jumping to conclusions. Now what kind, of, what kind of Christians are we? Are we supporting others? Are we lifting the weight of others? Or are we running them down? Are we jumping into help and scoping for help? Where people need that help? Or, or, or are we jumping to conclusions? Have you been obeying, church? Keep it up, he's saying, Paul is saying. And within that statement, there's, a, there's one that's given the church some problems. So it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's he talking about here? Is he telling us we have to work for our salvation? And if you, if you take that as the, as the cream in between the two Oreo sandwich cookies here, he says this in the middle before. He's talking to Christians, first of all. He's not telling people how to get saved. He's telling saved people what to do. And then if you take the next verse after it, because it's God that works in you both to do and to, and, and, uh, both to will and to do. So 
he's not telling, uh, telling you how to become a Christian. He's telling you, if you are a Christian, this is what you've got to do. Keep going. Work at it. I find so Christianity is a lot of work, isn't it? I, would, I, and I, I tell you, some, say this to some people sometimes, it's one of the most frustrating lives you can have is being a Christian. Because, why is it frustrating? Because I'm not where I want to be. I want to be there. And I keep running after it. But I'm not there. But I keep running. It's, it's a life that, until he brings me home, I'm not going to make it. It's frustrating. But it's also rewarding. I might... I might have to keep working at being a Christian, but you know why I keep working at being a Christian? Because I can't help myself. I can't help it. I see him ahead of me. So when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I can't help myself. I might fall, I might stumble, I might go backwards sometimes and slide down the, down the side of the road, but... I know where I'm going. I know who I'm chasing after. It is the answer. Especially in a political world we're looking at today, and uh, different politicians have, have the answer for us. They, have the, they don't have the answer. No matter what, it's God that has the answer in Jesus Christ. That is the answer. You've got it. It might be hard to follow him. You might have to work at it. But it is the answer. It's the most rewarding answer that there is. And he, he's coming to take us home. And it will all be right. That's what you've got. With fear and trembling. That's another one. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We translate that as awesome respect. Do you have that kind of awesome respect for the God we follow? There are days that he comes out and he terrifies me. But it's a good terror. I walked out this morning and, and I, 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 I saw the, did you see the moon this morning? It was wonderful. It was, it was gorgeous. And, it's like, and I just think, wow, you're the God that created that moon. And you put it in that spot. And the, and the, and the stars that were in the sky... Venus was, was visible last night. I don't know if you saw, you saw that, but it, you, could, you, could, you could see it. It was so clear. The sky was so clear. And God put them there. If you get a chance, read. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but Psalm 86, you can, t you can take a read on that. And uh, I'll just read a couple of verses from there. Uh, verses. Eh, I'll pick it up in verse 10. For, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O my God, with my whole heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your steadfast love to me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What a God we serve. 
What a God we serve. He's in control of all things. Where is that fear and trembling we have today? Do you have a hypersensitivity to the pleasing, to pleasing God, the one who created you? Are you super sensitive to that, that everything you want to do want is to please him? <clears throat> you gave me a great passage because I'm applying all this stuff to myself and I, oh my goodness, where am I? Here's my frustrated Christianity again. Uh, I, I've got a long way to go. And then we put that on it. But here's, here's the rejoicing in the next portion here. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who works in you. There's a great, those are great wording in here. It, it, it says, he works in us both to want to do it and, and the and the word that it's, it, that, that's used in there is energiao, the, the Greek word, energizes us. He gives us the power to do his will. Not only does he make us want to do it, he gives us the power to do it. So, where is this work out your salvation? Is it, so is it truly to work out our salvation, or is there God that works within us? And the answer is yes. They're both true. We have to do work, but he works within us. I, don't, I can't explain it, yeah, but they're both equally true. He has called you to work out your salvation, and he gives you the desire to do it and the power to do it. What a great and awesome God, just, just, just from that. The next, the next one was tough for me, too. The next sentence, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Try meditating on that verse for a, week, for a day or so. Do you know how much grumbling and complaining I do? I do an awful lot of it. Just from the simplest little things, the guy at the traffic light didn't, didn't go fast enough after the light turned green, and I'm upset with him. I'm grumbling and complaining about this. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we, can, we as Christians can do that. I didn't like the hymns that Carl picked out today. Oh, I did call very much, sorry. <laughs> but you, the littlest things you can start grumbling and complaining about. But he calls us to do all these things without grumbling and complaining. And there's a purpose in that, too. Do all things without grumbling and complaining so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Wow. So grumbling, my grumbling and complaining causes that much trouble where I don't prove to be blameless and innocent at that point, right? Usually I'm grumbling and complaining about what somebody else did, but the, it comes back to me now. I'm the one that's the problem. But if I stop this grumbling and complaining and try and live in the, like the first eight verses you're talking about, in unity and pur purpose in mind, I will show that light to the world. Do things without grumbling and complaining so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God above reproach in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. 
among whom you appear as lights in the world. There's a lot to that. You know, it's just grumbling and complaining. I was thinking, as I was meditating on this verse last week, and I, I, uh, I was just sitting there looking out my window. I, I usually get up early in the morning, do my Bible reading in the morning on the weekends and stuff like that. And uh, it's wonderful. You get up before the sun comes up and just sit there and sit there in the quiet time. And, uh, re- and I noticed that the geese had come back. Because I get a, out my window, there's a big lawn out there and there's a little pond out there and the geese were on the, oh, I say, oh no, the geese are back. I don't like the geese. My, the whole lawn becomes a minefield at that point, you know. You can't, you, you know, I'm, walk, I'm walking around like this trying to, I don't like the geese. And then there's a plane going overhead as, as, as a, you know, because I live in a, we live in a path where they come in, in and out from MacArthur Airport and there's a plane going over here. So me, me and my weird little mind, uh, things go together in there. There's the plane, there's the geese. And I think of, I, was, I just began thinking of, uh, <clears throat> in, in, in 2009, January 15th, probably some of you know this, around 3.30 in the afternoon, an A320 Airbus took off from uh, LaGuardia Airport. And in just a few minutes after they took off, the, they, they climbed at 2,800 feet, and they ran into a flock of Canadian geese. And the hitting the geese disabled both the engines, and the plane started to go down. Uh, the N- the uh, NTSB, or the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, report said the ingestion of large birds into the engine, which, caused and re- which resulted in an almost total loss of thrust in both engines. The plane started to go down, not very high. And I don't know if you've ever taken off LaGuardia. There's really nothing around there. It's just a peninsula of land out in the middle of water there. And uh, the next few minutes must have been terrible for the people on the plane, huh? Instead, but instead of crashing, the pilot, Chesley Sullenberger, and co-pilot, Jeff Skiles, made what was called by the National Transportation Safety Board one the most successful ditching of a plane in aviation history. The plane goes down in the middle of the Hudson River, and it's essentially intact. And all 155 people on board that plane, 150 passengers and five crew members, get off alive. What do you think the reactions of those people were? Oh, sure, now we don't get our snack. I bet all those clothes in my suitcase got wet. Who's going to pay for this? That person behind me was so rude. He bumped into me when the plane came down. Isn't that rude? Oh, great. Now I'm going to be late. This airline is always late. Do you think those are the kind of reactions those people had? Do you think they were complaining about the 19-degree temperature outside and the 41-degree water that they were up to their knees in? Remember, these people didn't expect to be alive right now. They thought they were going to die. That plane was going down. People don't generally survive. But every one of them survived that plane. Do you get the parallel? Have you been saved? Have you been saved? What are you complaining about? 
So the water's tw- 41 degrees. It's 19 degrees outside. I didn't get my snack. My clothes are wet. I'm saved. I'm going home. That's uh, the part about the uh, bad part about the uh, iPads is just shut off. <clears throat> so what should we look like? Blameless, innocent, not complaining people. People working together. People for the cause of the gospel. And you'll shine like lights in this dark world. The darker the world is, the brighter the light looks. Kind of reminds me of the passage in uh, the, uh, matter of fact, it's reflective of that in, uh, 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 on the Sermon of the Mount, Ma- Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the fe- people's feet. You are the light of the world. That's you. Every one of us is the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Sounds a lot the same, right? If your light shines, they'll see your good works. And who gets the glory? God gets the glory. The third, the third application in here, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in or labor in vain. Paul tells us to hold fast, hold it tight, the word of life. Keep it close. And here's another one. The wording reminds me of a, of a wide receiver who's just caught a pass. What does he do? Hopefully he grabs that ball and holds on to it as tight as he can. There's a defender out there. The defender might not necessarily want to tackle him. He wants to rip his arm off and get that ball away from him. Hold on to it tight. Hold that word tight. Hold it fast. Because the light that shines in the world has two different reactions, doesn't it? I'll take another passage from uh, John 3, 16. I'll just read a couple of, I mean, from John, John chapter 3, verse 16 is the, the most, uh, the most uh, I mean, you see that at the football games too, at the end zone, the guy's holding the signs, is 3, 16. And I've, I've gotten to share the gospel with people more than once because of somebody's holding a sign up that said 3, 16 at the end of the, because people ask me, what does that, that mean? And I'm like, oh, okay, let me tell you what that means. Okay, but in, uh, just in vi- verse 19 of chapter 3, Uh, Jesus says to Nicodemus, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Shining a light doesn't necessarily mean a welcome thing, does it? If I'm lighting something up and it's causing people to see their own sin, they might not like it so much. But there's two different reactions. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, yet so his works will not be exposed, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. There's a couple of reactions. The light, just because you're shining your light doesn't mean people are going to go think you're wonderful. They might, maybe they can't stand you. 
Look at Jesus. What a brighter light could have been than that. A lot of the world couldn't stand him. They didn't want to see him. They didn't want their works to be exposed. That brings us to the last part here, looking forward. Talks about the day of Christ. Looking, looking forward to that, that day when the trumpet sounds and our Lord returns to gather us in. He reminds us that we have a real purpose here. Our purpose is to shine the light of Jesus to all around us. We're on a journey and we're going somewhere. This world isn't it. Christ will return and bring us home. Paul even points to that there. Now let's take a look at the last application, being used by Christ. And Paul puts that in his own, says in verse 17, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share all my joy with, with you all. After pointing at the day of Christ, which he does in, uh, in verse 16, verse 17, he says he's being poured out. And that's a, a reference back to the Old Testament sacrifices. They're pouring out of the drink offering, right? If you pour out an offering, can you get it back in the pitcher? No, it's gone. Are, you, are we being poured out for, for others? Paul, Paul is being poured out for the, for the Philippian church, and he's happy about it. Man is in prison. Not knowing what's going to happen to him, and he's concerned with the well-being of the Philippian church. Are we being poured out? We, we as Christians, and I, I know me, myself, it, 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 and like I said, as I'm talking this to you, I'm talking it to myself, and I have to question myself a lot here. I, am I a quid pro quo Christian? You've heard that phrase a lot. Quid pro quo, which means this for that. Sure, I'll be nice to you, but I expect you to be nice to me. I'll help you with this, but I expect you to help me with that. It doesn't sound like what Paul's talking about here being poured out. The natural man wants to get everything he can out of this world because that's all there is, and that's all he has. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's an older movie now. It was called As, a good, as good As It Gets. I don't know if you've ever saw it, but there's a, there's a line in there where Jack Nicholson talk, looks at Greg Kinnear and uh, Helen Hunt in the movie, and he says, what if this is as good as it gets? What if this is as good as it gets for you here on this earth? We're, it's all passing away. It's all going. If your hopes are only in this world, and this is as good as it gets, and it doesn't get any better, guess what? It won't last. It's going. But we're going home, where it's better than this. Uh, think, think, whatever, if you have, if everybody's got a picture of what heaven is like. Whatever your picture is, it's better. Whatever you imagine it to be, it's better than that. Because we only go so far. All right, so he t here's the application now as we, uh, as we wrap up.
He called them to obedience, a continued obedience. Can people see that can can people that see you see Christ in you? Are you living that continued obedience? Are you living like what you claim to be true is true? Be assured of this, the world is watching you. As a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, they're watching you. I'm, I'm a manager on the, on the Long Island Railroad, and I'll tell you what, people are watching me. They notice if I wear the same shirt on the same day of the week. You wore that last Wednesday. I said, gee, I didn't even know that, but you're watching me. And they know I'm a Christian there, too. Everything I say that, that they can interpret as being unchristian, they're watching it. Are, what are you living like? What does the world see you as? Also be assured that some people might not like it if you're living like a Christian. There might be people that don't like that. Where is your attitude toward God? Are you working out your salvation in fear and trembling? Do you have that awesome kind of respect for him? Paul had put it in the previous chapter, in verses 121 of Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What kind of, do I have that kind of attitude? What do I think? Oh, gee, I, you know, I can, you know, gee, I hope that I last long, this lasts long enough so I can retire and enjoy it a little bit. Uh, are you shining like a star in the universe? Are you living your life in this world like you're going somewhere else? Or is this it for you? Listening to uh, Greg Laurie this week. I don't know if you ever heard him. He's on the radio sometimes in the morning when I first get to work. I, I turn him on. He said that uh, uh, Philippians 121 was the motto of, of the first century church for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said, what do you think about the, uh, the motto of the 21st century? What about my needs, man? Is that your motto? Or are you still in the first one? For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Once again, are we, are we shining like stars in the universe? And it starts off with that whole thing in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, of that how we live in that unity that we're living in. We're giving up of ourselves. We're living for others. We're actively looking for where we can help others. And we're putting them and Christ ahead of us. That is a hard thing for me. I know, and I know it's hard for all of us to put other people ahead of us. And then, like I said before, when I finally do something like that, I'm so proud of myself. Look what I did. How do I forget myself? There's a lesson for you there. Meditate on that. How do I forget myself? Uh, Tim Keller wrote a little book, if you ever get a chance to read it. It's uh, called The, the, the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it's a, it is freeing when you can put others ahead of yourself. You're not continually grabbing and pulling. And I just, uh, I hope, 
I hope you, uh, you're able to use this in your life. The Lord is using it in my life, and I'm, I thank you for allowing me to come here and share this with you here today. And uh, So let's close in prayer. Father, we just uh, we lift you up. We just ask you to teach us to live the way Jesus did. Lord, we don't come to you presuming we have the power to do it, but we do know that you've told us you've given us the will and the energizing, energizing power to, to live like Christ did in this earth. Help us to see people through his eyes. Help us to help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's you who work in us, to both to want to do it and to give us the power to do it. Help us to be a church that uh, honors and glorifies you and demonstrates that to the world so that the world can see. We lift you up. We praise you. We ask you to give us the encouragement to keep going as Paul is giving it to the Philippian church. Keep on going, brothers. Keep on going, sisters. And we, we thank you for this message that he's given to, to the Philippian church, and it's come to us, Lord. And we just lift this up to you now. In the name of our Savior, our soon-coming King, our ears wait for the trumpet, our ears ache for the sound of him calling us home. And as we live here, Lord, we pray that you would, we would live honoring him and preparing the way for him here. We pray in his name. Amen.